Hello and welcome to Flowing Backwards. This is a podcast by me, Phil Peake, and the other one, Ian Four Candles Moss, who's over there, past passport control in Mosley. Deepest, darkest Mosley, may I add. Right, so this week we have... um, It's quite a ramble and it... Quite funny in places, but as always, music is sublime. So sit back and listen to episode number eight. This is going to be in three parts, and it is steps and missteps. Hello there, people, pot pickers, friends. I'm under something of a cloud today. I've had some bad news. One of my closest friends had a stroke yesterday. Uh, so this is for Derek. Um, it's very difficult. He's, he's, he's had a really bad stroke and um, obviously with social distancing, you can't visit and one doesn't want to be phoning hospitals while they run off the feet. Anyway, um, on top of that, other news, my next door but one neighbour has uh, contracted the coronavirus and in hospital. So that's a reminder that this thing is very close and very real. So I hope you're all staying safe and doing the right things. Anyway, on to the show. Um, this uh, episode, this, yeah, yeah, this episode will end up as four episodes. I think this chapter will end up in four episodes. It's a long, sprawling uh, thing that's going from the late seventies and into the early eighties. Um, my thoughts are probably going to get a bit scattered, so it will not be chronological, um, but it won't be taking huge leaps of decades, you know, but merely um, backwards and forwards over a, a two, three, four year period. Um, so before we get into that, I'll um, read you some more words. And this is um, a piece called Don Cosmic about the immortal um, and magnificent Don Drummond. Don Cosmic was a scatterlite. He was christened by Coxone Dodd. He provided inspiration while behaving odd. He liked the vibe of Ozzy's tribe. He embraced Rastafari. The music business hustlers were spitting in his eye. Don Cosmic blows. Manic is depression. He would go from high to low. The guns of Navarone boom, boom, boomed from his trombone. He killed Margarita, but illness was to blame. He was sent to Bellevue Hospital, the home for the insane. Don Cosmic blows. Don Cosmic blows and he goes to places no one knows. Margarita was the queen of the rumba. She danced for her Don Malunga. And he did what Jar forbade. He stabbed her four times with a blade. All the pressure he could feel, it got too big. And he could not deal with demons, huge and real. Cosmic Don cracked. Cosmic Don shattered. 
Cosmic Don lost his grip on all that had ever mattered. Don Cosmic. Don Cosmic was a scatterlight. With most unusual thoughts, he was a genius who tragedy went fishing for and caught. Don Cosmic was pronounced dead. But how did this occur? Nobody has the answer. Nobody is sure. Don Cosmic. Don Cosmic blows. Okay. Hats off to um, Don Cosmic. Don Drummond. Trombonist extraordinaire. Scatterlight. Right. Let's get back to things. So we're in the late 70s. Uh, punk rock has arrived. It's already um, going sour. Uh, isn't what um, we'd hoped it'd be. It's been hijacked, essentially, by um, the shopping mall tribes. The and the Daily Mirror running features on how to be a punk rocker, and uh, it's been coarsened by the obsession with class and. Um, it's become very macho and aggressive. It's uh, now leather jackets and studs, big belts and boots are de rigueur. It's um, a male-dominated macho thing and um, it's difficult to, um, to love. Uh, people who didn't love it, at an early stage, uh, as we've mentioned, were people like Howard Devoto who got out and Howard uh, went off and formed Magazine, who were very, very significant um, in the vanguard of musical change. They, um, they, they didn't sound like other groups. They were still vitally... Uh, important and it felt it felt new and fresh and was full of vitality but it clearly was not punk rock um, and so quite early in this uh, podcast we'll hear some music we'll hear magazine and this is a uh, magazine doing Captain Beefheart's uh, I Love You Big Dummy
magazine uh, were not uh, existing in a vacuum there wasn't just them there was interest in music from the New York bands um, talking heads were innovative right from the start uh, Per Ubu were uh, a pre-punk band uh, who were playing post-punk music pre-punk if uh, if you can understand that there were other other bands in, in America, we would soon um, be privy to the joy of hearing Devo, who were absolutely um, groundbreaking and um, fascinating and entertaining. Uh, the Modern Lovers, who had actually recorded their, their kind of magnum opus in 1974, um, were released upon the world and were brilliant. And the cramps took rockabilly and added um, trash culture and a love of um, horror films uh, to it all and were absolutely delicious and sounded like nothing on earth. Um, so so, so th there was plenty of good music. What I was doing work-wise, I was still at Seiple Brothers, still uh, in, in the handbag factory, and I'd sort of progressed. Um, I, I had um, been the outstanding leather goods student of, um, of, of my uh, era, uh, City and Guilds-wise, and been uh, whisked off to London um, to accept the Royal um, Order of Saddlers Bursary. 
and I was taken by this man from the Ascetian Guilds to some uh, dining hall, banqueting hall, not a dining hall, it makes it sound like I had a school dinner. It was this oak-panelled room with all these stuffy old gentlemen um, who were lords and viscounts and sirs, and there was uh, masses of cutlery that I had to navigate my way through while we ate all these uh, courses of, of sumptuous fare and drank uh, very, uh, very expensive vintage wines and uh, finished off with, with brandies. My chaperone from the city and guilds uh, got unbelievably pissed and I had to um, take him to his, to his home uh, well, I got him somewhere near and he was being sick in a doorway and by that stage I'd had enough and abandoned him and got myself back to Euston and um, and headed home. Uh, as a postscript for that, they gave me £100 for, for being outstanding, which uh, hasn't often happened to me. But the next day, uh, as I said, I had started having some problems with the police and I've, I was um, in court in Manchester on another assault uh, charge and I've never assaulted anybody I'd been assaulted and um, stuck up for myself um, and they'd, they'd terrified me they played good cop bad cop um, I was just 18 and um, at one stage they threatened to charge me with uh, attempted murder um, and in my naivety I buckled and pleaded guilty and so the next day after being uh, the toast of the town in London and being given £100, uh, I was fined £50 of it. And my resentment of um, the boys in blue deepened. Um, anyway, at work, um, there was a head designer who was a kind of um, well-dressed... Um, how, how could I put it? He was angry, um, angry and very curt. He was a Polish fella um, with one leg uh, called Mario. He was very talented in, in, his, in his job. And um, he somehow, um, for some reason, took a, a fancy to my talent and took me under his wing. And, uh, and I enjoyed some tutelage from him. Um, but I was becoming a, a bit disillusioned because the job that I thought would be artistic was essentially technical and um, it, it didn't appeal to me. The, the, the basic idea was I would get trade magazines of um, Swiss, Italian and German designs who were the leaders and I would make um, more affordable copies of these things. Every time Mario's back was turned, I would um, knock off something uh, more interesting with a lightning bolt motif, perhaps, across it. Um, my design style was much more uh, Jean-Paul Gaultier or Alexander McQueen, and they wanted a kind of uh, Marks and Spencers thing. Uh, so... That, was, that wasn't great. Anyway, I got shifted sideways uh, by accident. Um, 
the the head of the leather goods department had a nervous breakdown and so at 18 years old i was placed in charge of 40 people all of them were older than me mostly considerably older than me and um were a little bit resentful at first of having this upstart in charge of them um but you know they learned to love me because i am a charmer and i was very fair with them in, in the end they kind of mothered me as as uh, as as things went downhill um they they became my buffer against um the the bosses at work um there was um, there'd been a change in the management as as well and the regime that had hired me were uh, swept away phil who had been the manager who was this kind of a uh, hippie-ish guy he was in a band called um biggles wartime band who existed for years played glastonbury a, a lot of times so i got on well with with phil but the the new broom was this um self-made millionaire from yorkshire and uh, it was different but what was good was he introduced new blood he introduced it it had a factory in uh Muston, and they were incorporated into the factory in in duckingfield uh, as a separate department and the, the kind of manager of them was this black guy from moss side tony who i got on very well with and um Tony used to phone me now that I had this internal telephone with being head of a department and uh, would invite me down to um, the garages where he would um, skin up some potent um, bush and we would get um, stoned throughout the day, every day. Um, so that was how how work was, was going. Um, Thing, things things were, were were getting strained there was an occasion where i'd been to see the only ones uh, at rafters and steve jones and paul cook of the sex pistols had come into the club they were doing an in-store signing the next day a friday at virgin records on lever street anyway i got into talking with steve jones and paul cook i'd spoken to them before and um, we watched the only ones together who were by far my favorite band of this era and uh, as i was leaving uh, steve jones invited me and and uh, two friends who i will come to in a moment um, back to um, the midland hotel to um, drink at um, richard branson's expense who could turn that down so we went back to the hotel um in the bar and we we mingled with actors from uh english character actors who were appearing at the um library theater across the road dinsdale landon was one i ended up with dinsdale landon's tie for some reason dinsdale landon's tie and paul cook's um anarchy t-shirt which i swapped for a brand new fred perry shirt that I'd bought, and and I summer I kind of regretted it. I thought he'd got the best deal, but uh, in in impoverished times, twenty years later, um, I dug out this tatty old shirt from the bottom of my drawer and sold it for eight hundred and twenty three pounds, which bailed me out of a rather large hole. 
so that was work uh, i was still going to lots of concerts and there were there was lots of um lots of things happening not just all new bands but some of the people who i'd um i'd loved previously appeared you know i went to see bob dylan um at earl's court and his first gigs for nearly a decade in england and they were great occasions and bumped into the only ones there as it happens who were big dylan fans that was something that we shared and another um another sort of old hero who reappeared and started making music uh, his most vital music in six seven eight years and his first appearances in the uk since 1974 were captain beefheart and his magic band and i went to see beefheart at the apollo um um in with i, I went oh, as i told you i'm going backwards and forwards thing and by this time i'd got a band called the hamsters and we went uh my band the hamsters with our friends who were a group called the fall and we all went to see captain beefart together there was lots of people there to see captain beefart they were in um, dotted around the crowd were various buzz cockers and joy divisioners and a certain ratio was um Beefheart was big news. So we went to see Beefheart, who was great. And we're going to play some Captain Beefheart. This is Harry Irene. Black dots were hung in what turned out to be an olive tree. Harry Irene were a couple that lived in the green. That ran a canteen Ran a canteen Ran a canteen Two people Harry and Irene Like you've never seen The floor was made of oak The dough was smoky gray their tuna sandwiches would turn the dark into day They sold wine like turpentine to painters They took to social life like props to aviators Harry Irene were a couple that ran a canteen Harry Irene were a couple that lived in the green Ran a canteen Ran a canteen Took Harry for all of his green and Irene Harry was left holding an empty canteen And by the way folks It was Dusty, not Harry What does this mean? What does this mean? What's the meaning of this? Harry, I guess.
I'd got this band called the Hamsters. I'm not quite at, but the people I formed the Hamsters with had come into my life. They were um, called um, Stephen Middlehurst and Bobby Williams. And um, I'd known them um, since, since my early teens. Uh, my, my good friend Robert was Stephen's younger brother and um, Bobby's father and my father were friends who played snooker together and things. So I was very aware with them of them. And they, and they were older and they were sort of swish and uh, trendy and uh, brash and confident and had... Um, Swish, trendy, brash, confident girlfriends. Um, I kind of, they were, they were looked up to. Everybody thought they were great. You know, all my age group thought they were great. I thought, I thought they were uh, hedonistic, shallow idiots. Um, in 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 the sort of um, band that I've referred to in the past with with Robert and and Steve Mardy, who. Um, who had no name and was uh, ruined forever by Mike Lee and uh, Larry Gott. I remember um, Stephen and Bobby had watched us once and and jeered, but I, I just sort of uh, steely gazed at them, and I knew that secretly they were very, very jealous. Anyway, um, I'd called round to um, the family home uh, for, for my friend Robert and Stephen answered the door. It was a Sunday night. It was the week after I'd seen the sex pistols. And Stephen answered the door and told me Robert was in and he was upstairs and I could come through and wait for him. So we went and, and he gave me drinks. He probably gave me something like green chartreuse or something to... Um, I don't know to impress me, but it was, you know, I mean, it's horrible crap. Anyway, after about an hour, I said, I said, where is Robert? And he said, um, he's not actually here, but I wanted to talk to you. I said, that, that's just weird. I'm, I'm going. Anyway, he somehow um, ushered me through the back door where he pinned me against the wall by my throat. He was, um, he had a reputation for violence at this stage, and threatened me um, that if I wouldn't be his friend, he would stab me. Uh, and I kind of laughed and and at the ludicrous nature of this, and um, he gave up on that approach and said to me, "You fascinate me, and I want to be your friend. I want to understand what it is." that makes you different from anybody else I know. I want to know what books you read, what music you listen to, what films um, you watch, and what's in your head. Um, so, I, uh, flattery gets you everywhere, doesn't it? And it, it, So, we went off uh, down the road to a pub called the Arden Arms, and along the way, I'm talking to Stephen, and, and did find him far more interesting than I'd given him credit for. Also at the pub was Mark Reader, who will crop up again. Mark was younger, a year younger than me, and he would uh, later be a frantic elevator with uh, my brother and then go off to Berlin where he was factories um, man in Europe and um, 
a house uh, had a house share with Nick Cave, for instance. Um, fascinating guy, Mark. Strange guy. Even I thought Mark was strange. He used to walk around um, Denson, bear in mind, in the mid-70s, um, very con conformist mid-70s, in uh, an SS uniform, which attracted quite a lot of attention. Anyway, um, so that Stephen... Stephen came into my life and uh, he, he was interested in this music that I was interested in and we talked about forming a band and he said to me, we'll have to wait until Bobby comes back. Bobby was in the south of France working on um, Norman Wisdom's yacht and, and so this, um, this wait started before we could begin a band um eventually bobby came back and no sooner had bobby come back than stephen who had got married and had a child and li was living with his in-laws fled and uh went to Newquay. so that so we were still in no position to form a band so um we missed the great start of bands thing together um not to worry um it, it didn't really matter um because most of it was awful and uh, and quite often a bit right-wing as well. We were not at all right-wing. We hated all that prejudicial thinking. Um, but there was, there was lots of that going on and we didn't like it and we didn't trust the motives for most of these bands. In twos or occasionally when we were in threes, we would go and watch bands just to heckle them and tell them, how awful they were and what fakes they were. We were vile to these people. Most of them at this stage uh, deserved it, and we and we didn't get violent with them. Uh, oh, oh, that did come later. Um, I think the worst thing we did at, 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 around this sort of time was uh, help future pop superstar Paul Young with goat patties and discolour his white suit uh, and tell him to fuck off back to London, you talentless bastard. Um, that was that was uh, our behaviour and and uh, not many people were immune from it. We were we were we were strange people and we'd go to clubs together. We wouldn't go to punk clubs. We went to um, very straight clubs and rock clubs and uh it was they turn we got into bitter arguments with people and stuff we used to got a lot of sin we were interested in in a range of things we were interested in books all of us and and we were interested in uh, cinema we used to got cinema a lot bobby and i in particular used to go to cinema a lot and and get into interesting things i remember us once bumping into marty feldman and getting pissed with Marty Feldman, who was in a very depressive state. Speaking of which, um, as I've alluded to in the past, more than alluded to, as I've confessed in the past, um, my mental state wasn't great, and it was uh, going downhill. I was um, making unfortunate, um, regrettable and terrible choices of people that I would attempt to have relationships with. 
and I was prone to falling in in love and not seeing the stupidity of the actions and getting hurt. And this um, drove drove me down the pan. I didn't like it, it myself. Obviously, the way I behaved wasn't healthy. Um, drinking excessively, taking a lot of drugs, and um, this this led um, made my general unhappiness led to a couple of suicide attempts. Um, I first cut my wrists with a razor blade, which was half and half, I suppose. I suppose I always knew I could be saved from that one. But a much more serious attempt was um, was I, I, I attempted an overdose and, you know, left the suicide note from my parents uh, and things. Any, anyway, um, I proved to be useless at killing myself um and and survived um strange strange times i remember in after this in the midst of this you know uh, and it is the power of music i remember going to see the modern lovers uh, not long after the the first suicide attempt and i was in a dreadful dreadful state and one of the things that was making misery me miserable at the time was i'd busted the zipper on my trousers i sat down and I was trying to mend the zipper on my trousers, and it was really exasperating me. And it just seemed symptomatic of how uh, awful my life was. Everything was falling to pieces. Anyway, this 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 young girl next to me, there was nothing sexual about it. Uh, simply started talking to me and helped me fix the zipper on my trousers, uh, which was really nice. A little act of kindness goes a long way. And then Jonathan Richmond, Modern Lovers. Um, Came and by this stage, they're not the um, Roadrunner once, Roadrunner twice modern lovers. They're uh, I'm a little insect modern lovers. And it was just so charming and wonderful um, for the hour or so that, that they played that my whole mood was lifted for the time being. And that is the wonderful power of music. You know, Jonathan Richmond, whoa, it, 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 was, it was magical. Another, another sort of upper that helped me fight a little bit was um, Iggy Pop's uh, second album of the period, Lust for Life, came out with obviously the very positive message uh, in the title track. You know, I've got a lust for life, um, probably taken from the film about about Van Gogh. Um, so, so that was that was those were uplifting um, things amidst all the doom but let's not forget there was lots of doom and gloom and it was epitomized i suppose in song at this time best by mr willie williams on um, studio one records and he's uh, quite wondrous uh armageddon time Tonight 
As, uh, as as you see, it was uh, it was uh, a sort of mixture of feelings and and things. And music was still um, very central to uh, to to my life. Um, and drugs uh, at, at this stage um, for for a number of years. Um, in you know smoking smoking weed and but I was never a big weed I never it was never my drug of choice I like speed I, I, I like speed because it, it was so functional um it was so so good and I liked acid because it took me uh, places although I, I wasn't sometimes good with acid I was a bit too um it was a bit too strange to begin with um and um, I wasn't good for a few people to trip with, if you know what I mean. I was I was a bit too extreme. They wanted a nice, comfortable uh, thing, and I was a bit too about tearing um, my tortured soul uh, out and displaying it. Um, but then we um, we had we had strange friends. As I said we we didn't kind of uh, gravitate to punk rock clubs. We didn't go to the ranch and all, all this kind of thing. Our friends who we made tended to be older, um, not much older. They were, they were refugees from the northern soul scene, by and large, and the, there was a little bit of that going on um, because we like drugs and they like drugs, I think. Um, and and so some of our friends were were quite extreme. A couple of them were um, were armed robbers. They used to uh, hold up uh, sub post offices. Um, and when one of them went to jail, I remember Stephen stored his shorts on off shotgun for him. Um, it's it's not good, is it? This you know we we 
were frequenting with criminals and uh, and stuff from the from the Northern Soul thing as well. I, I had um, what was sort of good was I was able to get really really good speed prescription speed because um, I had a friend Jim who was um, an expert uh, robber of chemists, which was uh, quite prevalent at the time. And he would go and rob um, the, the the safe, the canteens, as they were called, of chemists um, for for all this speed, all these uh, green and clears and thionol and um, brown and clears and stuff. And um, so he'd got this massive supply of, of, of really top quality speed, but he wanted acid and I could buy acid. So I used to do these swaps with him. Um, so, so for a while, we had uh, we had a really, really good speed that was good. <laughs> Is it? I can't be prosecuted for this, can I? No, not after this amount of time. Another thing, another, another thing that, and stop it. Another thing that I was doing was um, in my tortured uh, state, um, almost psychotic. I would. Uh, Almost for a, for a long period, I would every weekend um, go to London, um, not in any planned way, in a disordered way. I would go into Manchester, get um, off my head, and then get the twelve o'clock bus from Charlton Street to twelve o'clock midnight bus from Charlton Street to London Victoria. Uh, arriving at Victoria, you know, 4.35 a.m. And from there, I would get myself down to um, Soho because there were still things happening. You know, you'd get market traders setting up. you got people still um, from milling around a little bit from from the night. Um, and, and there was an atmosphere about it. And I would just wander around. And I'd often be uh, cruised by um, by older, uh, more affluent-looking fellows who would uh, make me offers uh, that I didn't take up. Um, I kind of re regret it. A great regret, and, and another sort of um, one, is, uh, is I wasn't so much cruised as um, I was... A, a fella approached me and said that I looked great, and um, he wanted me to model for a, a gay porn magazine for Vulcan magazine um which was uh, in camden on camden high street and he, he made an appointment for me to go and and do these things anyway i got as far as camden high street and i do wish i'd done it you know because because i did look fantastic <laughs> uh, i was i was uh, <laughs> i looked i look quite different than i do these days i've got a full head of hair and I, I'd got all my own teeth at the time, and uh, and I was I was I was quite skinny, and uh, anyway, I got to Camden High Street, and, um, and I think what put me off going through with this photo session um, was was the testicle issue. Uh, I was embarrassed about that, so I didn't. Anyway, um, these trips to London, you know, I would wander around getting drunk, just looking. At things I might go to a football match. Got I remember going to see Chelsea against Nottingham Forest one day and just killing 
killing time. And then um, come the night time, I would go and watch a band or something. There was one night um, I, I was got to go to the marquee and I went on the, in the ship on Wardour Street and there was these um, very well-dressed punk rockers, you know, in the punk rock outfits. And they came talking to me and, and uh, I was a bit... Uh, I, say, I was I was a bit... I was a bit sort of psychotic and I was, a, a, you know, I'd, I'd been taking um, lots of drugs and drinking. And I remember saying to them, you know, um, oh, you're going to the marquee, you're going to a gig. And yes, they were going. And I said, have you got any drugs for it? And they said, yes, we've got drugs. I said, I don't believe you, you know, show me. And so one of them pulled this handful of pills out and, and showed me with an open arm which I simply snatched out of his palm and uh, threw them down my neck. Um, they, they were not impressed, but that's the way it was. Anyway, I went in the marquee and I was getting the evil eye off these guys, not at all bothered um, because I've got a death wish anyway, you know, so it makes no difference. Um, and, and the group who were on were a group called the Depressions. And like... Um, the police, they all had matching bleached hair and they were all white. There was something to do with Slade. I think they might have had the same management. And they were really, really appalling. You know, they were everything that is wrong with music in that um, their motivation wasn't music. Their motivation was to be pop stars, to be famous. Music was simply a means to an end. They were crap. They had nothing to say. And um, I let them know. I stood there throwing plastic pint glasses at the stage, screaming abuse at them, and then turned my eye on the, my fellow audience members and called them a bunch of wankers and screamed abuse at them. And so the bouncers come and got me and, uh, and beat me to a pulp. And I remember um, lying on the street in Wardour Street outside the marquee with my head in the gutter and it was raining. So there's water running down the gutter and my blood was dripping into the water, um, making ever such lovely patterns. And for some reason I was blissfully happy. <laughs> yeah, it's getting a bit strange this one, isn't it? Anyway, um, while, while we're on drugs, I'm, I'm not gonna sort of go on, you know, cause it, gets, it could get a bit gratuitous. But I do remember um, got to see Iggy Pop, as I've, I've said, on his second gig at the Apollo, where he wears this horse's tail, and it's sans David Bowie, so it's a lot more sane. The audience are there to see Iggy Pop. The, the one mem audience memory wasn't sane was me. I was completely out of my mind. I'd taken um, large quantities of, uh, of LSD, um, some barbiturate or other, uh, probably Mogadon, and um, whiskey. And I was uh, a shell of, I was a broken uh, wreck of a person. And I was there in the afternoon, you know, because I, I, I had, to, had to spare anybody sort of seeing me. I didn't, didn't want anybody to see me in that state, as I knew. They'd have feared for, for my life. Um, and and I, I found myself at the back of the Apollo waiting for things, uh, to to happen, uh, an Iggy Pop and his band arrived, and and I made eye contact with Iggy, Iggy Pop, 
and it, and it was a strange feeling that I was the one who was wrecked. And this fam famous uh, rock and roll wild man kind of looked at me like, Jesus Christ, he's a mess. Uh, that was odd. Anyway, I listened to the sound check. Uh, I remember him playing Louie Louie in the sound check, which was great. And then I went to, to the pub and got even more uh, drunk before it all began. Um, work, as I've said, wasn't going great. Um, there'd been the um, occasion with um, Steve Jones and Paul Cook where we'd got drunk, and the next day um, I'd had to go to work because it was a Friday, and... Um, I had to go because it was weekend. It's Friday, and Friday was payday. So I could either sensibly phone and say, I'm not well, I'm not coming in, or I could turn up, and then I've got some money to go out for the weekend. So I turned up, and I looked. I stunk of beer and whiskey, and I looked a mess. I've got this uh, tatty old anarchy shirt, in, shirt on that I've got off Paul Cook, and... Um, not long into my afternoon shift, the powers that be summoned me into this little office and there was uh, the, the new broom, the multimillionaire, uh, Clive Eyre, his, um, his works manager, who was an Argentinian guy called Pablo. There was uh, Mr. Albert Seipel and there was the foreman. There was a full gang that were there to give me a dressing down and um, they, they said to me, you know, it's been noted that you were absent this morning. Where were you? And you have to bear in mind the notoriety of the Sex Pistols at the time. They're probably the most hated people in the country. And uh, I looked at them and I said, I've been on the piss with the Sex Pistols. Um, they, they were speechless. They looked like I'd taken a large haddock from my trouser pocket and slapped the faces with it. Um it didn't do, stand me in good stead. You know, my, my days were numbered uh, at this place. It was going downhill. I was I was off every, certainly every Thursday. Thursday was a big night and I'd go out and take a lot of drugs. And uh, Friday, I was useless. And the 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 people who, who I was nominally in charge with would sort of prop me up and put a hammer in my hand, you know, and make me move it if anybody in authority came came near. Um, so it, th things were, were not good. I went to see Patty Smith. And um, again, I'd, I'd taken some LSD. I went to see Patty Smith. And uh, enthused by her rebelliousness and on acid, I decided um, I wasn't going to work there anymore. And so when I returned home, I uh, wrote a resignation note and sealed it. And then in the morning, um, it was there. And and so I could have just torn it up. Um, but I didn't even look at it. I didn't. I wasn't even bothered what I'd written. I just thought that's what, the way that I felt and that I feel. So I just gave it in and, and resigned. So I worked two weeks notice. And, uh, and that was the end of me then, um, the, the self-made millionaire, Mr. Clive there, said to me, came and, and gave me a cursory, thanks for your service. 
that was a very interesting and unusual resignation letter you gave. As I say, I have no idea what was in it, but um, so, so, so it goes. Um, so I was, um, I was footloose and fancy free, and footloose and fancy free people of that era had to listen to, if they'd got any taste, Funkadelic. So this is uh, One Nation Under a Groove.
So moved into a flat. I'd been looking for somewhere to, to uh, you know, I'd been looking to make that leap from my parents' house for some while. And then uh, my friend Robert 
um, said, I've found a flat. I wasn't particularly keen on a flat share, um, if truth be told, but it was a way out. And so we, we moved into this uh, this flat and the Taunton Road in Ashton Underline. And it's very, people, most of you who are listening will think I'm exaggerating, but I am not. Um, we moved in and there was a layer more than half an inch thick. All of, It was a big flat all across the floor of um, cat shit uh, that we had to clean, um, you know, before it was habitable, um, which was a excruciating job um, with lots of being sick into buckets while while you did it. It was it was awful. Why there was so much cat shit was there were um, pieces of the floor missing, and underneath the building there were these feral cats. So um, whilst I lived there, I would sometimes um, come in after a night out to find I was being stared at by some feral cat. Um, it was it was a dreadful place to begin with. Um, there was no cooking facility. All there was was a hot water geezer. So um, we tended to live on a diet of smashed potatoes, sometimes with cold beans mixed into them. Um, and as for heat, there was a, a single bar electric fire that, that just ate money that you put into a meter. So um, it... What I used to do, sometimes Robert would join me, sometimes uh, he didn't because he was a miserableist anyway. Um, I would um, buy myself a bottle of QC Sherry and go to the cinema because it was warm and sit there and, and watch any old crap at the cinema and drink Sherry rather than uh, rather than go home. It, we were ill-matched, Robert and I. He was, um, there was something deeply childish about him something infantile um, wrapped up in the body of uh, a huge psychopath um it was a nutcase it was a violent nutcase with this um self-indulgent melancholy streak and you know, I, I prided myself on uh, liking this cutting-edge music and interesting music. And he liked Harry Chapin and Janice um, Ian, all this introspective stuff. Bruce Springsteen was as wild as he got. You know, it was it was he liked all this wallowing in misery, and he was always falling in in love, and uh, it was it was sickening. It really, it, it really was. He used to, uh, every Saturday, he'd get up early and watch children's television all, all morning. I really couldn't stand it. It drove me in, in, insane. Um, and, but as I say, coupled with that, is he, he was a complete, uh, complete nutcase. So um, there was a night, we'd only been there for two weeks, perhaps, and there was a night he'd locked himself out and couldn't wake me. I was in a a drug-induced coma. Um, he couldn't wake me. So rather than, I, I don't know, go and sit in a laundrette, go up into the communal bathroom and, and get your head down in the bath. You know, not good, I know that. 
he wrapped his coat around him and threw himself through the plate glass window. But obviously he couldn't afford to replace. Uh, this was in the middle of the winter and it was a window next to my bed. It didn't even wake me. I woke up covered in glass and snow. Um, and the window was never replaced. You know, it made the place even uh, colder and less hospitable than, than before. Uh, also, we'd, we'd agreed at my insistence um, that we try and introduce some sanity into our living arrangement. So no party was the rule. You know, almost immediately, um, he turns up one night with a crowd of about 15 people for a party. Um, so I sort of, I didn't complain about it. I just got into it. But then he started, um, started beating up on his brother. So I tried to intercede. So he beat me up. Um, and then Stephen uh, stabbed him in the back, which was the first. He would later stab him again much more horrifically, ripping all the muscles in his arm that needed a major operation. And in turn, Robert would stab Stephen in, in the uh, chest. So I was there for about six months and, until I could stand no more. There was also an allegation of a rape from somebody who, who stayed in there. You know, it was absolutely hell. It was, it, it was uh, unbelievable. Um, so I'll tell you about the next hellish place that I moved to in the next episode, which is even worse, <laughs> if you can imagine it. Anyway, um, there was still music, and um, and one of the best bands of the era who who made some of the greatest music ever. They still challenging, and they were such. Um, they could be mixed live. I've seen them, and, and they were dull as dishwater. But I saw the pop group once. Um, when they were not billed, they'd played in Manchester on the Thursday and Crafts were playing in Manchester on the Friday. And there'd been some dissing between the two camps in the music press. So the pop group turned up to uh, see Crafts and have a chat and say, listen, you know, it's all been taken out of proportion and, you know, we actually like you. And uh, to, to seal the pact, they played unannounced a short set about 20 minutes at the Mayflower and I'd never seen such surging vital energy and one of the songs they played was She Is Beyond Good and Evil and it is brilliant and this is the last song of tonight.
okay i hope you've enjoyed that it's uh, as i say it's been rambling and the next three or four um set parts of this segment will uh, ramble as well but i hope it's been entertaining um because that's what we're here for it's um again we've had lovely feedback from some of you spoke to some of you um done an, an, an interview about um about the podcast with Salford Star and uh, all I can do is sincerely hope that you all stay safe and well and uh, and tell you that we love you um, so bye bye from me bye bye to Phil and Helen and bye bye from Phil as well I'm sure okay bye bye well thank you very much for that Ian that was uh, absolutely hilarious I found myself laughing out loud, actually, halfway through that. Um, some of the things he's talking about. Oh, my God. So, remember, next week, we're going to have another one of these. So, it's going to be another ramble, but we're all looking forward to it, aren't we? If you want to leave us a message, www.flowingbackwards.co.uk, Facebook, go on there look for flow backwards and again leave us some comments send me some pictures as well because I want some pictures of Ian through the years so I can put them on the website now keep them clean please people because I've seen some disturbing underwear photographs online that I really don't want to look at again so anyway tune back in next week and have a good listen to what Mr. Moss is going to tell us. Enjoy yourselves.